0: Everyone, and welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about eliminating screen problems in their homes. This is Melanie Hempy, and I'm so glad you are joining us today. If you are one of our regular listeners, welcome back. And if you are a new friend, we are so glad you found us. You are no longer alone in this journey of navigating screens in your home. You have found your people, and we have your back. So I promised myself when our family was going through the pain of screen addiction that I would never forget what it felt like to be stuck in that screen trap. And all those feelings of just being lost and not knowing what to do. And then when I figured it out with my younger kids, I promised myself again that I would never forget how important the practical tips are when you are raising screen strong kids. It's all about the practical tips. It's sort of like Having a diet that you need to be on and no one gives you the recipes, (laughs) you don't know what you're doing. So that's why we are here. We're helping you figure it out early so you don't have to spend all your time wandering around the wilderness, getting lost and frustrated. We have gone ahead of you and we have figured some things out in our Screen Strong Connect group on our site. If you go to screenstrong.org, you will see that you can join Connect, and this is a non social media platform that is free. It's open to everyone, and we have a lot of resources for you there. And if you want to go a step further and get some more really good content, you can join the subscription group, which is Connect Plus. And that's where we have a lot of videos and conferences and all the things, uh, ebooks and stuff in there that you would absolutely love. So Screen Strong is all about education plus community. It's not education, and it is plus. It is, you can't have one without the other. So we have, education through all of our courses. And by the way, our new student course is coming out. We might talk about that in a second. Um, I mean, we have the student course, but it's coming out in the book format very soon. We're so excited. But then we also have community and that community is where you get all these tips. So I want to start today with a little story. Um, As I was thinking about it just before I started putting the the notes together for this show today, there's a teacher um, in our high school that does a seven-day challenge every year. And he has his students write an essay for extra credit. So by the way, teachers, if you're out there listening, this is a great idea. <laughs> so you don't have to have your whole school buy-in. You can just say, hey, we're going to do this with our class. And it's really good. And what it is, is it's seven days of being off their video games and their social media, and then they write an essay. And we do have the instructions for this in um, on our website in the Connect group. But I want to read a quote from one of the essays because I was thinking about what we're talking about today with helping our kids be more social. And this is a quote from a high school kid who was in the middle of her seven-day challenge, which was the whole week off of her video games, which she probably didn't play video games, mostly off of her phone and her social media. So this is what she says. I am a shy extrovert who finds it difficult to go beyond my comfort zone and strike up conversations with people I don't know. During the challenge, however, face-to-face conversations was my only means of communication. I noticed that I began to talk more to people I normally would never talk to. (laughs) My friends also began to notice this too, asking if I was in a really good mood or was I just bored of talking to them only. Yet nothing in my life had changed except for the minimization of my phone use. I was intrigued by this idea that I could have more friends in reality if I looked outside of my comfort zone of online friends. When I went home every day, I would be almost excited to see my friends the next day, having not spoken to them all evening. This anticipation of seeing them again was another thing that I had never experienced before. It made me think that my parents and those around the same age of my parents would experience this every time and every night when they went home from school. Instead of constantly staying connected to friends, there would be a break in between where one could spend time with family and be alone and able to form opinions outside the friend group. Boy, when I read that, it just just really did my heart so good (laughs) because I realized this gal was really hitting on a truth that our kids are so covered up with so much on social media that they don't have time to anticipate meeting their friends the next day at school or just that idea of anticipation, like having time away. And then, you know, whenever you, um, you know, someone's been gone on a trip and then you see them when they come home, it's so exciting and you hug and it's just wonderful. Like our kids are totally missing that because they're oversaturated with shallow social business that isn't working. So absence does make the heart grow fonder. The other thing she says in here is that, um, she was a shy kid, who was finding it very difficult to get out of her comfort zone. However, when she didn't have her phone, she got out of her comfort zone. You know, who would have thought? So today we're going to talk about why kids who are on social media are not as social as kids who are not on social media. And we're going to talk about what we can do as parents to help our kids shine at being social. And then we are mostly going to talk about the practical way to do this. And I have a guest that is joining me today. But the practical thing is that we're going to teach you how to have Friday fun nights with your kids at their school or any other organization that they may be a member of. So I, in my little office today, have a local mom who has been, um, I don't know, um, should we say a fan of Screen Strong <laughs> for quite a while, and her name is Marianne. Marianne, so happy to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thanks
1: so much. Thanks for having me.
0: Tell us a little bit about your background and... How many kids you have, and why are you screen-strong, by the way?
1: Sure. <laughs> um, I have, my husband and I have four kids who are ages 10, 8, 6, and almost four. So we've been in the trenches for the past decade or so, but I um, feel like we're now in a new season without a baby and a toddler in the house. And I'm just starting to look ahead and um, really wanting to equip ourselves with some practical resources of how we can Um, Just keep our kids strong and healthy and away from screens, and have just been looking at all the research coming out that shows how harmful they are. And so um, we're so thankful that we found you, Melanie, and Screen Strong, and um, you are just a wealth of wisdom. And we love soaking it all up whenever we can.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming in. And I just get giddy with excitement (laughs) when I have a mom who hasn't made all the mistakes yet. <laughs> right? We've made a few, but not yet. Well, not, not I mean, t- you yes. kids are too young. still starting. You're yeah. still starting out. And so the proactivity is so important with any issue, but especially with this issue, because it's not that you can't go back. And of course, we always say it's never too late to do the right thing, right? But it is certainly easier mm-hmm. when you start being proactive and and kind of what you're doing is you're beginning with the end in mind, right? So you want to... You have a goal and you want to figure out how to get there. And so I'm so excited to have you here. And we were talking the other day about Friday fun nights. And um, so I thought, you know what, let's, let's get you on. And instead of me spending all that time explaining it to you on the phone, we'll just do that here on the podcast so everybody can um, get the benefit of it. So there's a big myth out there, and I'm sure that you have heard it um, in your friend group of moms, that our kids need technology to be social. Mm-hmm. Is this kind of a thing?
1: Oh, yeah. that I think that's one of the biggest arguments for getting kids' phones is that they're going to be left out if they don't have a phone, mm-hmm. if they're not on social media, if they can't be on the group text mm-hmm. parent. Nobody wants their kids to be left out of that social circle. So I think a lot of parents are motivated to get their kids' phones and screens um, just to keep them, they think they're keeping them connected.
0: And what will happen right now with your age kids and the metamorphosis that you'll be going through is but but you won't be going through it because you know the answer here before you get started Mm -hmm. um is moms and i'm one and i'm just as guilty as all the other moms out there and if you don't think you are then then we'll talk about that separately but Mm -hmm. you are but um all moms tend to start to shift like when your babies start growing up and they're toddlers and they're preschool and then they get into school then all of a sudden things change and things, these emotions that come out that you never knew that you had. And one of them is you really want your kids to be popular Mm -hmm. and you would never verbalize that. It's okay. I'm not going to put you on the spot. You don't have to Mm -hmm. say whether you do or not, but you just kind of want them to be well-liked, well-loved amongst their peers. And secretly deep down, you know, you just kind of want them to be popular. And I think it's a leftover feeling that we have from our own middle school days, (laughs) where we remember pain, right? Right. And it's like, oh, I don't want my kids to go through that. I want them to have a lot of friends. I don't want anybody to, you know, be mean to them. And because I remember what that felt like. And I just want us to own that because it's okay. I mean, it's not like a bad thing, but we have to be really careful that we don't take it too far. And so many times the reason why you're getting a phone for your kid in middle school, which they definitely absolutely don't need a phone in middle school, is because you say things like, not you, but you say things like, um, well, I need to get in touch with them because of X, Y, Z, and they have baseball practice and they need this and they need that. The reality is, mom, you just really want your kid a phone because you want to be popular. You don't want them <laughs> to be left out. I mean, I'm just saying what it is. And so, um, so but what we got to talk about, and what I am so excited to have you on here to kind of banter with this a little bit, is the reason why being on social media and video games online and trying to be social online isn't working and and why you're not your kid really isn't being popular or social um but it's a it's a fake feeling and it's a fake false sense of security that they are and so then when these other problems come up down the road then you got a mess on your hands i mean it is a mess it is really hard because what you're doing down the road when they start having all these problems is not only are you having to you know, reduce use, take the phone away, replace it with whatever. But now you're dealing with a kid who has missed some critical steps Mm -hmm. along the way. Mm -hmm. The sooner that your kids can learn to be social, the better they're going to be at everything in their life, from their math homework to their relationships with their teachers, to the relationships with their future, you know, people they're going to date to their families down the road. Like It's going to affect everything. So think of this as this is something you can't skip. Your kids are going to have to learn to be social. And we Mm -hmm. start to see this in our kids early on. They get real awkward. Like even when they're in the grocery store, honey, go ask the man where such and such is. They can't do it, Mm -hmm. right? They can't. That, I mean, I don't know if you've felt that with your kids, that kind of, we have to nudge them, right? Yeah. To, I don't know, talk to strangers.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They can be shy. I do think somehow we have raised four quite social kids so far that- I have to sometimes pull my kids back from like, talking That's to okay. people too much. Um, they're very comfortable talking to strangers. Sometimes in a bad, yeah, you know, bad way. Yeah. But, um, anyways, yeah, I think all this resonates. And I even as you were talking, I think all the same stuff applies to us as adults. You know, yeah. like we know when we scroll on social media. We feel like we're being social, but at the end, we have nothing to show for it. We haven't deepened any relationships. That's right. We haven't connected with anybody, but we know what they're doing and <laughs> where they vacation and where they've been. So it's a, that false sense. So I think we get it. I think deep down yeah. parents know they've yeah. experienced it too. So of course their children are experiencing the same. So
0: what you're describing is the fact that social media is really good for managing friends and relationships. And it's good for managing logistics for when you need to meet up for coffee or something like that. But it's not good for making friends. And got to remember that our kids haven't learned how to do that yet. We have. And so Facebook is great. We can keep up with our friends. But the bottom line is they haven't even made deep friendships yet. So they're trying mm-hmm. to keep up with shallow friends and that's just like a disaster it's very empty yeah. and yeah. and it makes them very awkward it makes them more awkward than they already are um and just reading these essays i I'm, i mean i just it's reiterated over and over and over just what that gal wrote in the quote that i read a little bit ago that she's realizing that she can have more friends when she's off her social media mm-hmm. and um then what it does is it gives awkward kids Um, Shy kids, you know, it gives them a lot of confidence because when you can get used to reading eye contact or making eye contact and reading body language and understanding facial cues and figuring out that conflict resolution in person Mm -hmm. and those really rich communication skills, then you're going to be more confident in every other area of your life. And it just blooms from there. But if you don't get this early on by middle school, really, then you're going to be on a whole different path. Mm-hmm. And your parents may think there's all kinds of problems with you <laughs> and they may start, you know, finding doctors to give you drugs. <laughs> I'm like, no, <laughs> they need to go out and um, actually be more social. So the other thing that happens when we're online too, with our kids, when our kids are online trying to be social is it causes a lot of stress because nothing is private mm-hmm. online. And so when you think about your best friend growing up, part of the reason why they were your best friend is because you shared secret things together like things that y'all just did and things mm-hmm. that made that special for you because they were your friend when all that is put online you you just kind of strip that away and there's nothing private about being online so that causes a lot of stress and then what the gal mentioned in the quote that I read is there's that constant connection where there's just no no break
1: mm-hmm. you know
0: sometimes you need a break from your best friend <laughs> you yeah. know and i mean it's not healthy to Just be. I mean, you know, when your kids right now, with their ages right now, when they have friends that come over, you know, there's a time when it's over,
1: right, right, yeah. And then they need that downtime too, and that away time, or even just time to be with just siblings or just with parents, yeah, or or just by themselves or by alone doing reading in your room. I know I need that time, so I do feel like I try and. Give them that
0: so I breathing. tell, I tell young parents that, you know, before you give your kid that phone, think about this, think about the kids that come over to spend the night at your house, right? You have some sleepover sometime with your kids and they have their friends over and think about that sleepover where they, there's a kid who is just a handful. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and you're just really ready for them <laughs> to go home. <laughs> you know, we all hit that yeah. wall, you know, well, social, giving your kids social media and giving them phones is like that kid never goes home. Mm-hmm. So that's exhausting. It's <laughs> exhausting. The stress is so great. So anyway, that's another problem with it. And the, the third thing that I'm just thinking of is that the risk that happen behind a screen are so great because, you know, you don't get a reset. You don't get a restart. You, you are, you're doing more risky things when you're on a screen and when you're in private. So none of that makes for really good social um, activity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we know that, uh, the least common denominator, you know, we're always drawn to the, to the least common denominator when you're looking at your friends. And so if there's a friend who's being mean on a group text, which this happens all the time, I, I think this is one of the number one reasons why I personally didn't let my have, my kids have group text till they were, Oh my gosh. I can't remember. It was not in middle school, you know, maybe in high school. I don't know. I think it was even (laughs) past that because I saw so much pain and I saw so many mean things happening Mm -hmm. um, on group text. So anyway, so how are we going to fix this? So when I was um, making all the mistakes that I made with my oldest son, you know, everybody knows my story and You know, Adam continues to tell me, mom, please keep keep sharing it as much as you can. So everybody knows that I kind of messed up big time with the first one because I didn't know what I was doing. And so once I figured it out, once I figured out that I was just going to reverse everything I did wrong with my younger kids, I thought, oh, that would be a good way to fix it. But I didn't know if it'd work. I mean, it was like an experiment. I did kind of the first experiment with Adam and then I did this other experiment with other kids. And it did work really well. Um, and so what I learned is that I, that I, that they had a job. And so for you, what I'll tell you, your kids right now, their number one job right now is to learn how to be social above all else. Hmm. Okay. That in your mind, that should be triggering as, okay you know, what have we done today to help out that area of their life? And even just being around siblings is good. That gives them a lot of communication skills and all that. Mm -hmm. But um, the way that I was going to do this and the thing that worked and why we have ScreenStrong now is that the first thing you got to do is you got to skip their social media. You got to skip it. You got to skip it all the way through 48 months of high school. Mm-hmm. because it's going to handicap them. It is not going to help them be social. I know it sounds crazy and, and some people will get it and some people won't, but I'm just here to tell you right now that the more time they are off of social media, the more social they're going to be. So why in the world would I put something in their path? You know, my, my, both my kids ran in cross country. Why would I go buy them shoes that made them run slower? Like, right. That would be a really bad idea. <laughs> nice. um, I want to go find the shoes that they can run faster. <laughs> right. And the other thing is video games. It's the same thing. A lot of people think, and we've had a podcast on this before about, oh, I think my kid's being social on his video game. It's all this social time. Mm-hmm. Yada, yada, yada. It is not social time. All right. I know to mom, it looks like it is, but it's not. It's like, it's like sandbox play when you put your little toddlers in the sandbox together and they're all slinging, you know, sand at each other. I mean, That's the stage they're in, but it's side-by-side play. It is not true social play. You are not getting to know that other person. Mm -hmm. You are just getting to know their avatar and that's not real. And so mom out there, if your son is trying to tell you, I'm so social on my game. No, he's not. Mm -hmm. And they're not all bad. I'm just saying he's not being social. The other thing is we learned to have get togethers at our house. So we got rid of the phones, we got rid of the video games, and we started having more get togethers because- if you want to be social, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. You practice having people over and talking to people. Do you have many? get I'm sure you do. You have get togethers at your house right now. I mean, you probably have playdates and stuff. We call them playdates when yeah, little.
1: We live in a great neighborhood. There's lots of kids and families we know around. And then I do also arrange a lot of playdates for my kids on Saturdays and Sundays because they love it just for a couple hours. And um, yeah, they love that time.
0: Well, and it's something that you might think that, um, you know, in the beginning, it's natural to have play dates, right? Because everybody's having them because mm-hmm. they're little kids. But what's going to happen is by the time they kind of get to middle schoolish ages, you know, fifth, sixth grade, all of a sudden, it kind of all moves online. Hmm. And having play dates, mom, we're going to play date, you know, <clears throat> it sounds too juvenile. It's so weird, but it kind of happens because it's like, oh, I have social media now. So that's kind of where I'm socializing, whatever. So, um, so be aware of that happening. You don't want that to happen. You don't no. want, you want to continue to have kids over at your house, but mom, I'm going to tell you that you're going to get tired and it's going to be so much easier. Oh, they can just go play Fortnite together. It's fine. I don't have to have all the smelly boys in my house and, you know, somebody's going to break something and they're going to throw a ball and then I'm going to have to make them food. I don't have to do all that. Well, I did all that with yeah. Adam and boy, do we pay a huge price. And so with the boys, with my younger boys, <clears throat> we did it very different. We had lots of get togethers over here all the time. And you really can't have too many. I don't mm-hmm. think you can have too many because just the ebb and flow of life, it kind of, you know, I mean, weeknights you can't really do, you know, too many blind days. T- so, right. you know, Friday nights, we would do stuff Saturdays. Um, Even when they were in fifth and sixth grade, it was a big deal in fourth, probably started in third grade, third, fourth and fifth grade. Um we would have other screen strong moms because we had a book club and this is a great time for you to start a screen strong group of moms who get it you can get the student course you can go through that everybody get on the same page and then we started meeting after school that was one of the best things we ever did. Sometimes we just stayed at the school playground. Mm-hmm. And how easy was that? Hey, mm-hmm. we'll meet you on the playground. Yep. And for like an hour and a half, somebody brings some snacks and we would talk and let them play and yep. let them not be in recess, you know, where the teacher was telling them what to do, but right. where they could just play. Sometime we would meet over at a park. I would always have football in my car. I always had little stuff in my car. <laughs> I was always ready um, to the kind of spur of the moment thing that might happen after school. So that is the... Benefit of being able to actually pick your kids up from school, mm-hmm. right, and make plans or having your head, and it was always good for me to talk to the other moms too while the kids yeah. played. And then, then they got all that out of their system, and then they would come home, and then that was family time when we got home. But the get-togethers are really important. In fact, um, in our neighborhood, we had about seven boys that just became a group in our neighborhood, and they were over a house all the time. They rode bikes, they did longboards all the time, and it was so sweet when they um, were in high school and getting ready to go to college. They, they talked about how much they're going to miss them, miss their group. They named themselves. They had t-shirts. It was just the greatest thing ever. Mm-hmm. And they said, mom, you know, all those guy's going to be in our wedding one day. And I thought, Oh, they're really connected, you know? And yeah. that was because they weren't doing all that on social media. So mm-hmm. the other thing is to plan unplanned events. And what I mean by that is like, um, I was just like, I was just talking about meeting in a park after school, have them plan stuff like a sale, you know, a uh, baseball, they did that all the time. Andrew would get on the phone. He would call all the moms the night before and say, we're going to meet over here at this park and whatever. And he got a lot of his social skills met then, and then encourage him to try new things. That's another big thing. We all get in our own little rut and we think, oh, well, I'm not a runner, so I can't do cross country. Yes, you are a runner. You can do cross country, you can do track, you can do sports. Sports are the natural, the the best, most natural framework for social activity. And I think people forget about that. It doesn't matter if you're the best person on the team. You've got to quit thinking, oh, my... Kid's not athletic, so they can't do, uh uh-uh, everybody is athletic. They need to get on a sports team. Some things in their life they're going to be the best at, some things they're not going to be the best at, and they need to be in activities where they're not the best. Mm -hmm. Um, Girls especially. When girls can get involved in sports, it is so wonderful for them. Um, So whether it's dance or cross country or track or basketball, any of the things, you know, they need to try to do that. So the next thing that we discovered when I was doing all this, I was in the thick of it with two middle school, almost middle school kids. I started noticing that there were cliques being formed in their class, right? And cliques are sort of the kryptonite to social activities. <laughs> um, Clicks are not good. Clicks are very common, Um, This is very, very normal in middle school. Everybody starts getting their friend groups and they're learning their social skills. So they haven't quite figured out how to still be nice to people that you're not maybe hanging out with or eating lunch with all the time. So as a result of that, and as a result of really working with one of my occupational therapist friends who is fabulous and she's been in this um, screen space for a long time, very long time. She's very well known. Her name is Chris Rowan and she has done so much in the space of educating parents around uh, physical type activities that their kids need to be doing and attachment, touch, movement, all these things is what I learned from Chris. And so I was talking to her one day and we we were talking about this idea that she um, was had been doing for many years. And I kind of named it Friday Fun Night. I didn't really invent it, but, but I kind of named it and Chris kind of helped me put it together. And what I want to explain is how this Friday fun night works, because there's a lot of people that are on our site. Maybe they see Friday fun night. They think, oh, it's just a social time to be whatever Friday is after school. And it's a little bit more than that. And I want to explain to you, since you're on the verge of, you know, being able to do some Friday fun nights here in the next year or so, um, what it means and what it doesn't mean. And um, so Friday fun Night. Chris, when she first started talking to me about it, she said, your kids really need a time to practice being social in their home with their friends um, and being a host sometime. And, and just, and so she was explaining this thing that had started in her community, in her home. And she said, yeah, we'd have all the boys over and they would get dressed. And this is when they were a little bit more in high school. And she said, and they'd be all dressed up and they would have the girls and they would serve, they would cook and serve them dinner. And it no. was like teaching them how to be social with members of the opposite (laughs) sex. And my boys were probably in fifth grade then. And I just thought, oh, that's never going to work. Because, you know, girls, they're not going to have girls over at the house, you know. And so then she started telling me how it works. And it is fabulous. And so the way it works is, I mean, the overview is basically, you're trying to teach your kids how to how to not be awkward in awkward situations or how to get comfortable with awkward situations. Mm -hmm. And so for fifth and sixth grade being around girls, if you're a boy or boys, if you're a girl, that's awkward, right? All the little girls go hang out in their group. And, you know, when they're in first and second grade, they still are playing with the boys and the girls and then it kind of gets awkward. So um, what this is, it's the ages are usually, I think sixth and seventh grade are the sweet spot Um, kind of toward the end of fifth grade may work too. Um, but what it is, is that you want to, um, include everyone. So if your class, maybe your class has 40 or 50 kids or hundred kids or whatever it is, you've got to divide the number of the, the kids by 12 and you want that many homes. So if you divide it by 12 and you get six or whatever, then you're going to have six houses and you're going to pick a Friday you're gonna have moms that sign up that wanna be host, that wanna that wanna host the Friday fun night. Everyone is going to get invited because see this is the problem mm-hmm. <laughs> that starts happening. I don't know if you've seen it yet. how old is your your oldest is in fourth
1: grade? Yes. Yeah.
0: Have you seen any at all, any like little mean, not mean, but just leaving kids out of inviting. I don't know. Just not isn't so much it. yet,
1: but they they are very like he only plays with boys. You know, he's he's yeah. not interested in the girls yet. He has three little sisters, so he's he's all about guy time, but I'm sure it's coming. Yeah. Well
0: it it, it doesn't come as easy as you think. And so what we what we're doing with the Friday Fun Nights is we're mixing it up. And yeah. we're having six girls and six boys. And it is such a fabulous format because you're Forcing, I hate to use that word forcing, but you're forcing them to hang out yeah. with members of the opposite sex in a, just a good social, healthy, healthy
1: yeah, I yeah, that.
0: yeah. So what you're doing is you're giving them those really fast running shoes. <laughs> what you're doing is you're giving them this huge benefit. Then by the time they get to high school, it's not going to be weird and awkward. And mm-hmm. I know it sounds crazy and we have a hard time remembering back when we were in middle school, but this is forced, I hate to, I wish there was another word because it's not, you're not forcing them, but you kind of are. I remember the first time we did it, the boys were like, are girls coming? You're (laughs) kidding me. (laughs) You know? And I'm like, no, this is what we're going to do. And so what you do is very scientific. And I'm not kidding. You can't have 12 girls. It's not going to work. You can't have 12 boys. It's not going to work. And you can't have really more than six girls and six boys. If you start to get over that, then the group is too big Mm. And, they miss, and then they just click off into their own little corners. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. So by keeping it six and six, there's a mathematical formula around this. And um, someone told me last year, oh, no, I did a Friday fun night with all girls. Oh, well, I know you did. And it wasn't Friday fun night. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's something different. Yeah. <laughs> so um, by keeping it from getting too big, then you're just, they're interacting better and mm-hmm. they're, inter- they're interacting more. And so you start off with some little fun icebreaker games when they're all getting to the house. And then so kind of silly little things to get them to like start talking to each other. <laughs> and then um, we always recommend that you make a pizza or they have like personal pan pieces is what we used to do. So honestly you can make the dough, but I would just go to the grocery store and get the dough because yeah. I'm not a dough. I can't ever make it right. So we would just make it so easy. Everybody had their little dough. They'd make their pizza. So in the kitchen you got the 12, kids you got six boys and six girls that was probably the best part of this whole science experiment is to watch what happens and how they get really silly and then they start helping each other they're interacting and it's not awkward because they kind of have to do it you know and they're making dinner and so they would make dinner they would eat. Afterwards, we had games and they would play games. There was no screens allowed. Nobody could bring their phone, no TVs, no nothing. And they were forced, hate to use that word, but that's kind of what it was. They were heavily, <laughs> whatever, heavily encouraged, encouraged, heavily encouraged <laughs> to play these minute to win it games. And the minute to win it games are so fun. Mm-hmm. It's just different things like the silly things, you know, you balance something on your head and you walk, you know, you know, in the room or do whatever. It's really funny, silly, silly, silly games that just make you laugh. The games that you only play when you're in middle school, that you yeah. can't do that anymore in high school, yeah. you know, and if it's a pretty spring or summer day, you can get outside and do it, you know, winter, uh, you have to kind of keep it inside sometime. But but just really, really fun, silly games. And we have all these listed um, on our website, like with the instructions, we have all the silly games, and then before you know it, the whole thing's over, and you know they, they're gone. And so the first time we did this, and we recommend only having the hostess mom, honestly, and the dad if they can be there, not, the, uh, not no other moms can come because then it becomes something very different, yeah. you know. An so and really the moms are there just. The host mom, maybe you can get one other mom. I don't know. But when you do that, it starts looking like, um, I don't know, clicks again. So you just want the kids to have fun. You want to structure it a little bit. It's always good to have a dad there because he can kind of blow the whistle and get them all going again if they start getting out of control. Um, But you just want them to have fun with meeting people they don't know. And a big part of organizing the Friday fun night is literally putting everybody's name in a hat, in making it random. And that, that was always the biggest problem. And, you know, and we never told the kids where they were going until that Friday after school. The moms knew, that. the families knew, but the kids didn't know. So they couldn't go to school and say, I'm going to Zozo's house and that house is better than so-and-so. Cause that happened. That yeah. will, that will happen. Yeah. And so you don't want to be about where they're going. And that part adds kind of the fun to it Kind of the anticipation. mystery. Yeah, the mystery. I don't know where we're going. And then they don't get to all talk ahead of time about, oh, I'm going to this house and, I'm, and you're going to be with me at this house and we're going to do this and we're going to get all our little group together. That defeats the whole entire purpose. But what I will tell you is over the years, the problem, I mean, this has all been great. All right. First of all, it's been a huge success, the Friday fun nights. But the drawbacks, or I'll tell you the problems, is when the moms just get a little too controlling over where their kid is going. And and see, we have to let it, we have to let it go. And we have to let the system do it, right? So what they want is they want to say, like, remember different moms calling me Melody. Well, so-and-so really has, you know, my son really has to be with who, And I'm like, this is, first of all, this is just for three hours one night. They can be apart, right? Right. Oh, no, he's very shy. Right. He's very shy. He can't, unless he has a friend there, he can't come. And I'm like, okay, that's the whole point. Right. Right. Let's get him in an environment that he doesn't feel comfortable with everybody. And then by the end of the night, he's going to have made a new friend Mm -hmm.
1: and built confidence that he can be in a situation where he doesn't have his little friend next to him.
0: And you want to do this now when it's that easy, Mm -hmm. because when you're not comfortable, when you're in high school, it's really weird. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, you know what I mean? It's, it's not fun. So you just have to kind of stretch Do a little bit now in middle school to get them used to being around kids they don't know. And I know for everybody listening, if you don't have middle school kids yet, you're going to think that I'm like kind of crazy over here. And I'm not. I'm telling you, when middle school hits, things just change. Mm -hmm. And and it hits you kind of out of the blue. And then you have to realize you have to constantly look at your own biases and your own blind spots as a mom, you know, Mm -hmm. because I would even find myself Oh, well, it'd be great if they were with so-and-so because I, I need to talk to his mom about whatever. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I can't do that. We've got to let it be random. We've got to, in fact, the little planning committee, because you have to have like a little planning coffee to get this all together. Mm-hmm. With You know, if it, if it does fall where randomly you see some friend groups, you want to break it up. You, want to, you do want to make sure mm-hmm. that the friend groups are broken up we're not being mean. It's just the whole entire point of this exercise is to get kids away from their friend groups. They have the rest of the whole entire year to play with a friend. You know, that's fine. We're not saying they shouldn't have friend groups. We're just saying, let's do this exercise so they can be around other kids. And um, the other thing, you know, that I realized is that a lot of our own baggage from when we were in middle school kind of comes out in these situations (laughs) because, We as moms, you know, we really want to control like all of our kids stuff. And so this is just one more thing. And I just want to encourage you just to let it be right to let it fall how it falls. And and it's just, you know, one night, it's not that big a deal. Now we started doing them probably, well, we tried to do it once a month and that was a little tricky. So I think it was every other month, but after the first one of these Friday fun nights, and even with my boys who I felt like were pretty social at the time mm-hmm. and and if you're you're listening right now you may think too that oh your kids are plenty social well the thing about being social is they may be social in third grade but not in sixth grade so you it's something that you just like you have to keep doing mm-hmm. you have to keep practicing it's like your kids may can do sit-ups right now but if they don't Stay active, then, in two years, they may not be able to do sit ups right. right right you have to keep practicing it yeah. and so, after the first one, because I mean, I thought my kids were pretty social um generally, but after the first one, the next morning on that Saturday morning, I will never forget this, and y'all I mean this is stuff like this is um you know what motivates me so much with screen strong is because I remember these moments with my own kids and I want y'all to experience this so much because it is so worth it. But um, they got up that Saturday morning after and they both just said, mom, that was the most fun thing I have ever done in my whole life. Aww, I mean, wow. it, it was
1: That's so weird. I know. And I was
0: like, <laughs> you're kidding. Like, I didn't say that to them, but I'm thinking in my head, I'm getting all teary eyed about it because I'm thinking, wow, they really need that. They need yeah. that part of their social life just to get filled. Mm-hmm. And with the Friday fun nights, it's something that is not pre-orchestrated really. I mean, it kind of is, but it isn't. So it's not like they're having their best friend as their security blanket with them. Mm-hmm. Right? It, they're, they're not. They are having to spread their wings a little bit. Yeah. You know, and be social and see. And if you're not in middle school yet, you don't quite you haven't quite experienced it. But you're going to be fine now because you're hearing it from me (laughs) ahead of time that it becomes um, they change. You know, they go through puberty and things change. And so just by being able to um, and some kids didn't want to go. But they got they got over it pretty quick. And after, and after we did the first one, then it just became a thing and it was really fun. Um, but we always st- stuck with the rules. Yeah. So you got to have the framework of everybody gets invited. Yeah. So if you're having a night where you're having 12 kids over and it's not the whole class, that's not a Friday fun night. It's just fine. You can do that. But don't call it a Friday fun night. Yeah. Because <laughs> our goal is to have something that everybody gets invited to because you're going to start seeing that by the time middle school hits, there's going to be some kids that kind of fall out of the group a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's where my heart just really goes out to those kids. Mm-hmm. And Friday, Fun night might've been the only thing that they were invited to uh-huh. like yeah. that year. Cause there's always the kids that get invited to everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's what we're trying to kind of level the playing field. There's no cost generally. I mean, you know, if you want to, um, Have everybody bring $5 to cover the cost of the food. You can. But that's up to the host. Yeah. Um,
1: No, I love it. I think you made it. When you break it down, it sounds doable. Because at first, you know, thinking, oh, man, scheduling socials for the whole sixth grade. How do I do this? But when you think do it every other month, that's six nights a whole year. Six nights. Right. For three hours. Yeah. Buy pizza dough and toppings. Yeah. Yeah. Plan some Minute to Win It games. Yeah, get a few moms to help you divvy up the class and draw names out of a hat. Yeah, Um, that's so doable. So
0: it's really simple. It's when we try to make it more complicated is, is that's what messes it
1: up, right? Well, and but I know you know everyone's busy and everyone has their own family schedules, and it can sound intimidating to add one more thing. But I agree with you. It's just so important to get them. In those situations and mix it up and, you know, create environments where they can. Where they
0: can be. Your goal is to get them around people that they don't know as well. And even if they're in their class, by then it starts to segregate out, right? For Mm -hmm. this little group they eat lunch with every single day. So they don't really know the people over there that much over at that lunch table. And the other thing that I felt like it did, it really made our class closer. Absolutely. And, And you definitely reduce the mean stuff, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, the boys constantly said, well, I didn't know that so-and-so did this and I didn't know whatever. They were getting to know people in that kind yeah. of forced setting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so then maybe in school the next week, maybe they would be more empathetic to them,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? See, mm-hmm. it builds that empathy because when you start knowing people, it's hard to be mean to them. Right. And so your natural... I mean, like Andrew and Evan both say, mom, middle schools are just mean. You're just mean. You're just, mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but, it, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. This is sort of a, a anti-meanness, you know, vaccine or something. I don't know. It's kind of a way to just help people get to know each other in a super, like, um, easy environment, but that is still a little bit controlled because mm-hmm. you're, you're controlling who's there mm-hmm. and you want to mix it up. So that's the biggest advice I would give to you. Um, the next thing, the next piece of advice, get the dates scheduled early, like Mm -hmm. in the year. So people can kind of know you have to look at the calendar and try not to, and if you don't get full participation, that's fine. But that's really not been the problem. I think in middle school, people want to be, and they want to go places, you know, and they want to get invited. Um, but just, just adjust the number of houses. So you have to have an RSVP. And you send out an email. We have an email already written. We have all the instructions. You send out the email. You have one mom either on sign up genius or something. You know, they just collect the names. You figure out who is coming. You figure out how many houses you need and you go from there. And it's really pretty simple. It sounds great. Okay. So, um, Marianne. Okay. So is there anything else, any other questions you have about any of the myths out there or right now where you are? as far as struggling with social media and games or anything just in general, like what are the biggest fear? I mean, cause I feel like, I don't know about you. I just feel like there's more of a trend toward really not giving kids, you know, handheld screens early. I think you're getting a I little benefit so. from that.
1: I do think, I think we've watched people walk before us who gave their, everyone gave their kids phones in fifth, sixth, seventh grade and just seen all the problems that have resulted from it um, mm-hmm. and negative consequences. And so I think it is opening people's eyes, but I still think it takes someone like you um, to say, you don't have to give your phone, right. uh, your kid right. phone in right. middle school, or you don't have to give them a phone when they're in sixth grade and parents go, Oh, I don't. I yes. just kind of assumed <laughs> I would give them a phone when they were 10 or 11 or 12. Cause that's just what I see people doing. Right. And it's so um, empowering. I think to realize you don't have to do that and to tell other people and they go, well, if you're not doing that, then I'm not going to do it because I didn't really want to, but I felt like I should, or I yeah. needed to. Um, but I'm already having conversations with my kids. I told you just the other day in the car, they asked me, mom, how old were you? And you got a phone. And I said, well, 15, but it was just a little chunk of a phone that a flip I could phone. just talk on. There yeah. was, I don't think there was texting at that point in yeah. time. And I, and I said, and, and, you know, maybe you guys will get a phone when you're 15 or 16 to talk or text phone. Um, But there's no reason you need a computer in your pocket and, and, and your, even your term phones are tools, not toys. And so, you know, just waking up, they don't need, they don't need it. Let them be a kid. They don't need to be on a phone. So you have really um, encouraged and empowered me to just say, no, we're not doing it. And you know, we're still, my oldest is 10. So I know we still haven't quite hit the high pressure time. Right, but, um, right. But I feel like I've learned enough now that it's really um, impacted us and made us change our course for the future. So,
0: oh my goodness, that's so good. And I, um, I'm so happy that you are still at the stage where you're being proactive, you know, that you're not coming in here. and We're not getting the Kleenex out. <laughs> <laughs> to cry yeah. about yeah. <clears throat> some terrible mistake and i mean you're still going to have things i'm not saying it's sure. perfect right. but you are minimizing your risk <laughs> for sure by being screen strong and if you're new to screen strong we are not anti screen um we know that there's a lot of good uses of screens for you know turn papers <laughs> and uh watching documentaries right. and family movies and all that kind of stuff but our kids are not getting addicted to that your kids will never get it really addicted to the use of screens as tools, right? Mm -hmm. You can go on there and look up minute to win it games. You can go look up recipes on how to make cupcakes for your Friday fun night. There's all sorts of uses like that. And so just want the audience to understand that what we're talking about is pushing back and skipping social media and video games and pornography. Those are the three toxic screen uses, problematic screens that, are very universal in our cult- in our culture mm-hmm. and um, and just pushing it all the way through the forty eight months of high school. And when you think about it, it is such a short period of time, right? It is, it right? is.
1: And I don't want them holed up in their room on their social media accounts. Yeah. I want them <clears throat> involved in our family and talking and having social experiences and, and, having, Friday, and <laughs> having Friday fun and having Friday fun nights.
0: And then what happens when you hit around eighth grade? is when the Friday fun night thing kind of doesn't work as well. And so, but what happens instead is they've already made these really good friends and then they start doing social things, you know, a little bit different. It doesn't have to be so planned and organized right. at that point. And they're
1: meeting at the football game on Friday That's right. So they're, you That's know, right. Not, I do think there's more natural social opportunities in high school but middle school is that weird dead man's land you can't drive yet yes you you don't have a lot of control exactly
0: calendar no that's a really really good point because that's why they still need parents that's why they still need some help um but i i hope this has helped you today because i don't i don't want people you know i don't want people think that we are you know, just here with every single answer, but we actually do have a lot of answers. (laughs) And and we have tried and we have failed on many things and we have tried and we have been very successful. So I'm so happy to share one of our, you know, most successful things with the Friday fun nights. And like I said, by around eighth grade, then it starts to shift and they start, um, now they're equipped and now they feel fine about calling a group and getting them Mm -hmm. together. And We did get our our kids a basic phone around 15 where they could text, but we did not allow group texting. And that's a whole other thing that we talked about on another podcast. Um, But the group texting is not necessary at all. They have different group chats and stuff on their computer, and that's fine. They do not need to have group texting in their pocket where at any impulse, they can impulsively text the whole group, something stupid. And my boys have thanked me and thanked me and thanked me.
1: I was going to say, and that's new. See, I would have never known that. I didn't equate group right. texting with, you know, yeah. that danger or yeah. bullying or whatever it is, but it makes so much sense when you hear about it and learn about it.
0: Well, they said that group texting is just like social media. A moment, it's all the same. Mm-hmm. So, and when they told me that I'm like, oh my gosh, you're right. And after one incident where there was sort of a blow up with some social activity, um, you know, Evan. The next day came to me and he said, "Thank you so much," because mm. I was so mad last night. He said, "I are, I know what that text that I sent so and so. I would have sent it to the whole group, and he had to go apologize to the so and so." Yeah. And he said, "Mom, thank you so much." And and when he said that, I thought, "Okay, that's it. We're, we they didn't have group texts. I think all the way through high school, it just didn't even matter. You know, mm-hmm. they had other ways of, of um, Community. being connected and all that. So, but you know, we've been really burned in our house. So." I I do things a little different. So um, that's why I've, I hold such a, a a tight guard around certain things. And it's 48 months of high school. It's the easiest thing. It goes by so fast and you're going to see that. Well, let's end with an encouraging note. Can you offer a word of encouragement for parents who maybe they're in your shoes right now? Maybe they have a 10-year-old and dang it, they just got him a phone <laughs> <laughs> for Christmas. <laughs> Uh, we can take phones back really easy. Anyway, any encouragement That's for moms who are just getting started?
1: Yeah. You know, you can always make a change. Like you say often. I recently, we gave our son a Kindle a year ago and, um, for Christmas and I realized he wasn't reading deeply <laughs> on it. He was scrolling and he was reading the same little comics and empty content And so we took it back and we gave him real books instead. And that was a change Uh I made after listening to you, just learning the research and science behind how much better paper books are for your brain. And I enjoy reading real books better than screens too. So, and he was fine with it. You know, there was maybe a minute of why, but then he went, Oh, okay. And so, you know, don't be intimidated or scared to make changes, try things if they're not working reroute Do something different and get educated. Mm. And your website has so much amazing information on it. Your podcast is so rich. I wish I had the time to just listen to them (laughs) one after the other and just go and go and go because I learn something every time. So the more you feed your brain and the more you learn, the more confident you will feel in your decisions to be countercultural and keep these dangerous things away from your kids and give them the best gift of just a real in-person childhood Mm -hmm. with social skills and friends that they can take into their adult life. Another encouraging thing that I've witnessed just being in the same community with you here in Charlotte is meeting your children and especially your boys. And (laughs) Andrew came to one of the events and just seeing him up there, he's so well-spoken. He's so articulate. He's so knowledgeable. And they're just both just living proof of um, how well this green strong lifestyle works. Well, thank you. They are hyper social, maybe <laughs> I could say. And I think it kind of started
0: when fifth grade, when I started figuring out, hey, we got to work on this social thing, mm-hmm. right? And um, he wanted to have a sand lot. Baseball thing, you know, because they love to play baseball and they love to play on the field where there's no parents and no coaches and they can just <laughs> do their thing. And um, and he said, "Mom, why don't you call the, all the parents?" And then I said, "Honey, why don't you call the parents?" I love that; it's genius. But <laughs> well, we don't think about it; we just do it. But that's such great I, practice. Oh my gosh! And so he sat there. I'll never forget the kitchen table. He had his little paper and the school directory, and <laughs> he was making notes. And oh my gosh, he started calling the parents. And started, and this was in fifth grade and he started telling them, okay, he had his list, like he had his little script and he would say, okay, we're going to meet tomorrow, have them bring a snack. My mom's going to be there. So you can just, you don't have to stay. Like he had all the rules. And then um, the next day in carpool line, one of the moms stopped and came out of her car and she comes running up to my car. And she said, your son called me last night. (laughs) Yes, he did. Oh, it was so funny. And then you know, the other social things um, as they got through high school because, you know, Miriam, I think a lot of people think that their kids don't have social media. They're not going to have any friends, right? And it's a lie. And it is a lie. And when they got to high school, they actually ran for student government office. They were both senior um, class president and student body president, each different ones. And that to me was just kind of the end of our experiment, if you will. Mm -hmm. It was like, it worked. Yes. The, <laughs> the culmination. Experiment worked. Yes. Yeah, because what I realized is that they um, instead of living their life on this digital social thing, which isn't always bad. I'm not saying that this stuff is all bad. I'm just saying, as a teenager, you've got to first live it in real life. Right. And There's so, better. There's better. So they got to um, know all the kids in the high school. Because they got to know them in person, and mm-hmm. I remember Evan actually, I think, had everybody's name memorized. I'm like, "How do you remember?" He goes, mom, I see him every day in the high school, and I talk to him." Aww. So that's just another benefit that I think that um, I certainly didn't know with my first child mm-hmm. how that you're trading some things that you don't realize that you're trading when their life is spent socializing online all the time. Right? right. There's so many minutes in the day, right? And, so anyway, thank
1: you so much for yeah.
0: for well, reminding me of that
1: benefit. Yes. When you meet your boys, it, I, every parent out there will go, what did you do? Because I want my kids <laughs> oh. to turn out like that. Honestly, they're so impressive and so well-spoken. They're just awesome boys. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you for all of your work and your um, just being willing to share all this information with us because it is a gift. Thank you so much for
0: coming and um, just taking time out of your busy morning to swing by here and visit with me. I know that just this conversation and knowing that you are a mom starting out with your young kids is so encouraging to people that are right where you are because they need to know they're not alone. We all need to know that we're not alone. So thank you so much for coming. Absolutely. And thank everybody for listening today. I hope that you have been encouraged and motivated to take steps toward being a Screen Strong family, you can go to our Connect and our Connect Plus, like I talked about at the beginning of the show. And oh my goodness, you just have to hold your hat because we have the most incredible student curriculum coming out. It is on the verge of being um, released in print, and we're so excited. We are going to help you help your kids understand why you're saying no to some stuff right now and why you're going to delay some of these screens that they think are, you know, they're being so social when they're not being social. Mm. So please subscribe to this podcast and rate and share. We're going to try to get some more ratings this year so we can get more traction. Remember, we've got your back and we are here to help you remove the screen conflicts in your home. So until next time, stand up for your kids, stand out from the crowd and stay strong.